Yeah, but hey, he can hit, man. Oh, I'm not doubting that. I just he looks like he's like straight out of the nineties. Hello and welcome to the Ground Control Podcast. This is a special edition, uh, Day 1 2017 MLB Draft Edition. I am your host, Ryan Densmore, and with me is the, uh, I guess, owner, operator, managing editor. You want What, what titles do you want for a uh, man of uh, Astros Futures? All, all the above. All the above? Okay. Uh, uh, man <laughs> of many talents. Uh, I would say master of many... Uh, uh, or many talents, not master of any, or I don't know. But moving on, uh, <laughs> we want to talk about the Astros first four draft picks here. The, uh, I guess I should say also the Astros and the Cardinals first four picks here. Yeah. And, uh, in, in also a way of, uh, screw you Cardinals for draft for uh, signing Dexter Fowler. Cause we should have gotten the first round pick. Yep. Uh, well the first pick that came around here for the Astros there was at number 15, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily is, – is it going back to the well for the Astros to draft another uh, pitcher out of North Carolina or even just picking up another player? Because it seems like it, you've got Emmanuel and they've always they, – they seemed very high on Colin Moran before they, they went another direction and then they found a way to get him back in the system uh, shortly after. It, do you feel like there's some kind of some kind of inside track with the Astros in Carolina? You know, I don't know if it has to do with that or maybe it's the, the scout that's in the area they have a lot of faith in. Um, we, I think we've kind of seen that in the past. You know, we've seen a lot of JUCO guys coming out of the Oklahoma area, and uh, maybe that's the, that scout is the one that you know they they like for the, the junior college guys. But um, I mean, I think this is also just a pick of tremendous value. Everyone had him ranked in the the top ten, some as high as like five or six, and the Astros got him at number fifteen. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited for the pick. I, I think he's you know the upside there is is a, a, maybe a top of the rotation starter given his stuff. The downside, though, is is maybe a you know back end bullpen guy with with what he possesses right now with that high nineties and and super uh, sharp slider. And to to name that pick here, we have North Carolina right handed pitcher J P. Bukakis. We're going to start working on working on that pronunciation. Yeah, Bukowskis. Bukowskis. There's two yeah. S's in there. Yeah. Yeah, Bukowskis. Okay. Yeah, I I, I I come from a land of many many Czech names, and it's just never quite sure how to to, to stumble up across it. I say we just refer to him as JB. Yeah, that sounds good. No, I I've said you know what he he needs to earn his uh, title of Killer B already. So that's that's <laughs> what I'm that's what I'm I'm hoping to start that already here, uh, uh, but. I think one of the things that you first jumps out when uh, uh, when you see him on the mound there uh, is that uh, uh, that really just kind of a, the ball explodes out of his hand. He kind of has that like late snap of his uh, of it, kind of the ball gets hidden in his delivery and then it just kind of explodes out of this like I don't necessarily low arm slot or, or or just kind of a, it just feels weird like you kind of see like it just and then it, it's it's already the ball's already on top of the the batter. I don't know if that's maybe something you took away from him. Yeah, I mean, his it's stuff's electric, and I think, uh, I mean, he's he's only six foot. If he was probably six, if he was six four, he probably would have been uh, maybe a you know top three or four pick. But you know, uh, scouts and and they they love taller pitchers, so he slid a little bit. Uh, but everything's been been great about him. I've heard him compared to Sonny Gray and and Marcus Stroman for you know smaller right-handed pitchers. Uh, but if he was to turn out like either one of those guys, I think we'd be in a pretty good position. But his, his stuff is phenomenal. And one thing I found interesting is he went to the Cape Cod League this past. Uh, past off season and he struck out 17 in just nine innings and two starts. So 
you know, it looks like the Astros put a lot of weight into the, the, the Cape Cod performance too. And, and he did well there as well. Well, I want to add in another voice here cause he just happened to help us finish up our, our, uh, coverage of here and Spencer Morris wanted to join us here. So we can make sure we get his, uh, uh, his input on JB as well here. Spencer, uh, man of, man of another man of many talents here. Uh, uh, before we find, uh, 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 but, uh, we were just talking about, uh, JB Bukowskis as we're trying to, uh, I'm trying to stumble through the name there. Uh, Spencer, what did you think of the pick? I mean, I love it. I tweeted out that I thought that it was a great value right before the pick came in. And um, I think it's about as good of a scenario as you could have drawn up for the Astros front office coming into tonight. I mean, I was pretty much with the consensus on him that he was a top six to eight sort of range prospect in the class. So to get him at 15 is a really great value and he can help you either pretty much right away as a reliever or still pretty quickly also I think as a starter so I I just think it's an all-around great pick and uh Jimmy was talking about maybe his size being the one of the deterrents of why he slid back is there any other reasons maybe that, that the Astros got him at such a high value I mean the command certainly isn't um his calling card uh, he ha- he does have a walk rate that gives you a little bit of pause, and he's going to have to tighten things up. But the delivery is pretty simple. It's high effort, but I don't see him as a big uh, injury risk. The arm action is not too bad. Um, and, you know, he's got a fastball that goes up to 97. So, uh, I mean, I-, I think he can start, but I can understand why some people might not think so, given the fact that he's six foot, not especially built and does struggle with the command uh, to this point. So I guess maybe the last question I asked you guys before we go on to the second pick here, uh, what's this? High, what's the ceiling for this guy here? Maybe what's your expectation for him in in basically his main role with the Astros in the future here? Um, I mean, I think his his upside is is that of a number two starter. Um, that's certainly, uh, you know, pretty lofty. It's very difficult to become that kind of a player at the major league level, but he does have two pitches that could be sevens, which is something that not many guys, even in the major leagues right now can claim. He's sort of similar to Lance McCullers with that kind of profile where he's very fastball curveball, And then if the changeup is just average, it'll be enough that uh, he can start. That's that's sort of the path that McCullers has taken from where he was as a high schooler. So if Bukowskis can have similar improvements early in his career, he can turn into that kind of pitcher as well. And if not, then I think he ends up a late inning reliever, which is not a bad outcome either. You'll you'll take anything, any sort of major league contribution you can get from any draft pick. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. I think uh, I mean, he's got the the potential stuff to be up there at the top of the rotation. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, he's, he's kind of on McCullers how he's, he might rely on the fastball curveball, but, uh, I was reading that he worked a lot on his changes last year and it's improved. And if that, you know, becomes a, a good pitch, then we're looking at a guy who's got three plus pitches. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, like you said, he's, he's going to be a guy who could push for a top of the rotation, but, uh, worst, like you said, worst case scenario, he pitches out of the bullpen with, 
you know, high nineties fastball and a sharp slider. So he's going to, he's going to be able to contribute at some point. Okay. And then that, that I'm not going to say that was a, this is a, that was a pretty straightforward pick, but I feel like the, the thing you by both agree here that there was some value there for the Astros at 15 uh, for their first pick here. Now the Astros kind of went a little bit opposite direction there and taking a lot of risk, not necessarily something that the team's known for with their 53rd pick, Joe Perez, a high school, what they, what they announced him as a third baseman at a McCarthy high school in Florida here. I, a lot of what I read here is that a guy that had some very electric stuff, even triple digits for the for possibly with the, the, the arm and is going to be having Tommy John surgery tomorrow or very recent, very soon here. Uh, what did you guys think of that pick? Yeah, that, that was probably the head scratcher of the night uh, of their picks. I mean, it seemed like most scouts had him as a hitter later in the, the fifth or sixth round. And he's got an electric arm. Uh, but like I said, he's going to have Tommy John surgery. So he's probably going to be out you know, at a minimum until the beginning of uh, the 2018 season. Um, but they also announced him as a third baseman. So the, the pitching thing may not happen. Uh, I was reading some stuff on him that said, you know, he's got he's got really good raw power. Obviously, he's got a, a big arm for third base and should be able to handle it defensively. So I, I don't really know. I mean, it's just it, it seemed high if he was a pitcher. It seemed high if he was a hitter. Uh, when I mean high, I mean a little early to draft him. So uh, it was definitely an interesting pick. But, uh, you know, the Astros have been pretty successful drafting guys out of high school. So I'll put my faith in them. Yeah, I mean, it certainly was odd to see him pop this early and perhaps they have a deal where they get a little bit of a discount with him needing surgery right away but um i do certainly prefer him as an infielder and i'm glad that they did announce him as one i think you can definitely put uh 65 future power grade on him he's got a really broad 6-3 frame pretty filled out already a little bit of power projection still left shows really good uh power to both sides of the diamond um he's still only 17 years old i believe so you have plenty of time to develop him even after the tommy john recovery window so um it it is a reach certainly but i do like the player and um i can't really knock the pick for that reason and i'm just yeah yeah, you bring up a good I was going to say, you bring up a good point about his age being only, yeah, this would be his age 17 season. So next year it'd be the 18. So, I mean, even if worst comes to worst, he misses a, a good majority of next year. He's still around the average age of your, your typical high school draftee next year. And uh, one other thing on uh, Bukowskis that we forgot to mention, he is only 20 years old. So he's, he's pretty young for a college junior. Yeah. I feel like I was going to say that's, that, that, that's exactly what I was going to talk about here. It's just that, that those feel like very Luno aspects of either going for guys that are, very experienced college guys or got get getting getting the ultra young uh super prospects here very in the Carlos Correa vein of just saying okay he's excelling even at 17 or or just into his 17 year season so it definitely feels like that is uh maybe where you could see the 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 thought process for the Astros front office for this pick here um I mean is there any any thought here of uh, uh, Spencer, you've already kind of talked about it being okay with okay with staying at third base. Is, is is there any thought of maybe trying with all these guys? There seem to be two way players in this draft here of trying to figure out maybe see what how he does in his first year in the minors and let him once he's back healthy and try and see maybe can how he does in either position here at third base or or pitcher. You just kind of or you just kind of go into his first season and commit to it. 
There's always the potential there as a fallback plan with any two-way player, but generally a team is going to stick to its guns for quite a long time when they make that decision. Um, I don't see, unless a player is just an absolute disaster as uh, one or the other, like something like what happened with Stetson Alley as a pitcher when he was drafted, and then the next season was uh, playing the infield instead. That's the outlier. Um, so I think that um, for the foreseeable future, you're going to see him as a hitter. And he'll have to be either really bad or fizzle out for an extended period of time. And then maybe they try him as a pitcher much later on. Okay, I'm going to ask you ask one more question here because I realize this may help a little bit for our listeners here. Let's step back to our first pick here. What would you grade that for the Astros? Uh, I would, yeah, I would give it an A as well. I mean, the, the value is, is tremendous getting them in number 15. And then in Perez, how, what do you guys think? I'd give it a C plus. Yeah, I was going to say a C. I mean, it's like, it, it sucks that he's going to have to miss the rest of this year and then the beginning of next year with Tommy John surgery. But uh, like I said, they've, they've been successful drafting high school players, so I don't really I don't really doubt them too much. All right, let's move on to the 56 pick just uh, shortly after here. One of the first uh, picks from the Cardinals here. Uh, uh, I guess I should. I don't feel I, I don't feel appropriately one introducing here, but uh, but uh, uh, Texas A&M pitcher Corbin Martin. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, would you like to take stage first on this? Sure. I know this is this is the guy that you were hoping we were drafting the whole the whole time. I know that. Um, but yeah, you know, he's got a, he's got a, a fantastic arm. He's kind of in the, the same mold of Bukowski's when it comes to you know stuff. I mean, he's got a the the high uh, mid to high nineties fastball, a very good curve, but it's kind of lacking on that third pitch. And he finally started. Uh, he was starting some games this year for A and M and pitched really well. Had a, a very good performance in the Cape Cod League as well. Um, you know, I think he was like hitting ninety eight out of relief. So really good arm. I love the pick. Uh, it sounds like, you know, they're probably, of course, going to try him as a starter. And just like Bukowskis, if that doesn't work, he, he could be a phenomenal guy in the bullpen as well. Spencer, any read on him so far? Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything that was just said. I certainly think that he looks great as a relief prospect. Um, as a starter, he's going to need a lot of work. But if he can find a third pitch that is above average he could be a mid-rotation starter as well so that's really excellent value in the second round i think uh for most uh, big boards and mocks he was sort of in the 30s late first round to comp round range and um getting him at uh, 56 is another great value just like bukowskis was maybe not quite as uh excellent but um, and I, I again, I really like the pick because I think like JB, he has that added uh, floor in the sense that he can relieve and it's really easy to project him as a late inning reliever, given the fact that he's up to the upper 90s out of the pen and his curveball already grades out his plus a really nice 11 uh, five break, a lot of spin. Um, I really like that pitch a lot. So I uh, I think I think probably long term a reliever, but you definitely give him a chance as a starter because the potential is is quite high uh, if he can if he can make some improvements. 
Okay, first of all, I'd just like to tell uh, Jimmy here that there's now a Texas A&M photo on the front uh, front page of the Crawfish Boxes. <laughs> uh, and thank you, sport, A&M Sports Information, for getting us that photo. Uh, do you guys, just in general, at what point do you start thinking, hey, this is okay for the Astros to draft a reliever at this high? If you feel like there is that such a strong possibility he goes that direction. I think <sighs> it's... And I honestly think it's only too early to draft a reliever if you're in the top half of the first round. Um, more than half of players drafted in any round don't end up being major league contributors. And it's much easier to project a player as a relief pitcher than it is, at, I think, any other position. So it can often be the closest thing you can get to a sure thing and you get that return very, very quickly. So while it might not be a huge payoff, it's still on average going to be better than what other teams are getting in that range in a lot of cases if you really like the arm. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, but I, I do agree, and especially in this this year with the Astros having four picks in the top 75, it was easy – well, I, I say easy, but easier for them you know, to, to take a guy who potentially could end up in the bullpen when you know they got three other picks in the first two rounds. And does it also speak to how lineup construct or just a general twenty five man roster construction has changed, where you're relying so heavily on the, your bullpen to know that hey, that we need to make sure we have a guy that we can we can build up into such a reliable arm that has shown that track record already of someone that's been successful in the college as a reliever. I guess maybe that's more a statement than a question. Um, uh, so guys, I guess then here moving on to the grade here of uh, what what's uh what 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 grade would you give this pick here? Uh, I I would I'd probably give it an A minus. He was a guy that I was hoping for in the fifty fifty three or fifty six range pick. Uh, so I'd give it an A minus. Yeah, I'd say A minus B plus uh, range. I like the value again, pretty high floor. If uh, if you look at him as a bullpen prospect and um, has some upside as well. So anytime you can get a combination of floor and upside, that's a nice player. I give it an F. Just, just <laughs> it's not, no bias whatsoever. As long as he helps out the team, I don't care. Uh, and we move on to uh, arguably our most uh, interesting, at least headshot of the day, uh, a draft pick here. Uh, Jim and I were talking about before. Uh, Spencer joined us here. Uh, Arizona second baseman J.J. Medichevitz. I'm, I'm horribly butchering that if either of you want to try a better shot at it. Uh, had a really explosive season this year. Uh, Spencer, you wrote him up here. Can you give us a little rundown on him? Yeah, sure. I mean, he was a uh, Pennsylvania prospect, I believe, in high school, a cold-weather guy. Could have maybe been like a day-two selection at that time, but was a strong commit to Arizona. Um, pretty good athlete, but slow. Limited to either first base or left field, most likely, um, but can probably be a pretty strong defender at first base if that's his long-term home. Uh, had to make a lot of adjustments to his swing uh, over the course of the first couple of years of his college career, but that really started to pay off last summer. He tore the cape apart. More walks than strikeouts, 375 batting average, something in that ballpark, and started really showing power as well. He does have a really broad build, so even though he's five foot eleven, I do think he has above average to maybe even uh, plus like 60 grade power. 
Um, the swing is is power oriented, but is not too busy. The path isn't too long. He does a really good job of generating drive with his hips, and um, I think that it's a it's a really nice setup at the plate. And I definitely believe in the bat. I think you send him to, to Tri City, he should dominate pitching at that level and he'll take uh, an aggressive assignment next season and you put him on the fast track i'm not sure what their plan is with him defensively i haven't really had an opportunity to look at him on defense very closely but the bat looks really good and you know they miss out on keston Hira at at 15 but they kind of get um a similar player here at the end of at the end of day one and uh, you know, fill that same sort of role in the system. So I really like the pick a lot. Hey Spencer, I want to ask you: uh, when you're looking at players, how, how much, especially college guys, how much weight are you putting into to what they do in the Cape Cod League? Because he, uh, this past you know past uh, past winter or whatever, in 2016, he, he hit 376 in 23 games there uh, and did really well. And then the only other thing I want to ask you is they have him listed as a second baseman, and that was that's what he was listed as when he was drafted. I mean, any chance he actually sticks at second? I mean, I don't see any reason why you would try to have him stick at second, considering you have Jose Altuve occupying that spot at the major league level, and he projects as a subpar defender at that spot. So I don't really see uh, a a good reason to do that. Um, and uh, uh, as far as the Cape League goes, it's definitely nice to see any time a guy really performs well with a wood bat in that kind of environment against sort of all-star college talent. But um, there have been a lot of prospects that I've been really high on who struggled in the Cape and a lot who I did not believe in um, who had great Cape performance. So – uh, I do value it, I think, a little bit more for hitters than pitchers just because of the wood bat distinction. It's oftentimes the only chance you get to see a lot of these players using wood. So in that sense, it's very helpful to see sort of how the, the power translates and things like that for different hitters. Um, but in general, whether it's a college or a prep player, I do trust uh, kind of video scouting reports things of that nature a little bit more than numbers even at the college level um just because there are so many variables um with college statistics even uh, even versus minor league statistics that i think make them a little unreliable as as far as projecting players go not that they're useless obviously but um it's not what i weight the most heavily and just I want to nail this in, in the ground here just to make sure if anyone's listening to this, maybe the first time they're really diving into the MLB draft. It, it, it's This isn't like the ML, this isn't the NFL or the NBA draft where if you draft a second baseman, you're basically intending to mo- replace the guy that's in the majors at some point here. Jose Altuve is going to be the Astros second baseman for as long as the Astros want him to be there. And they're going to find a different position for J.J. I mean, that's, that's simply what the case is. And, and, and Spencer's already pointed out he's a subpar defender at that position. Uh, the, really what I imagine the Astros are drafting is more for his bat. And, and uh, I guess then let's move on to uh, what, what would you guys grade this here? And uh, the follow-up question I have is, do, are you happy with this being the outcome from, from ground control hack here to get these two guys for the draft? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like both both picks more. Uh, you know, Martin and uh, I'm going to struggle to say his name, but Medijevic, maybe JJ. Um, I, I'd probably give it. I'd probably give it a, a B plus. Uh, you know, he's like like Spencer said, he's kind of like that Keston hero where he's a, a good bat, but we're going to have to find a position. But if you can hit, they can find a position for you, especially in the AL where we have the the designated hitter. So um, I, I like I like it. I think there's still a lot of projection left with his power. Um, so I think it's a good pick, especially at the end of the second round like this. Well, it basically we're, we're first, we're a family now here in the, with the Astros here. So everyone's just JB Corbin, uh, or, uh, uh, (laughs) JJ. We're just going to have to worry about last names. You don't have to do any, any kind of, uh, uh, of name whatsoever. Sorry, Spencer, go ahead. Oh yeah. I mean, I always am a big fan of college bats. Uh, they're very easy to project compared to other player groups, and this is one that I think shows a lot of potential and is also very polished already and should move quickly and could potentially fill a need even at the first base spot if things come together for him. So I'd give it a, a, a B plus as well. I think it's a very strong selection. I think him and Martin both have potential to be really nice contributors at the major league level if things go right with their development. And overall, I think once again, Luno has had a really strong first day of the draft and uh, it looks like a very nice talent infusion heading into uh, the second half of this year and uh, 2018 in the minor league uh, season next year. I don't mean to put you guys in the spot here, but it don't seem like there's anybody cash cows that the Astros have really gone out and drafted here outside of maybe uh, the first pick here. Do you feel like there's anyone that if the Astros, someone slides in the third round here, that they may be able to get with any kind of leftover cash here or anything? Or is there? do you feel like maybe this is all slot value for all four of these guys? Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, uh, Perez, maybe he can take a, a deal under slot since he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. But I know he does have the, his commitment with uh, Miami as well. Uh, but if they were to potentially look at getting another high school guy that they would pay over slot, a guy that I've, I've been a big fan of is Garrett Mitchell. He's a, a very talented outfielder and uh, one that would probably be a, a good value pick of the third, but would probably require going over slot as well. I think overall they're probably a little bit over slot with the selections today. I think Bukowskis is going to be quite a bit over. Martin will probably be a bit over as well. And Matijevich, I think, will be about at slot. Um, you probably do get Perez under slot, but I think um, it's offset by Bukowskis. And overall, you're around slot to a little bit over on the four picks today. I am not an expert on the contract demands of these players, but that would be my guess. Um, I think you will see them go after uh, potentially some prep uh, signability guys on day two. They usually go after at least one every year, and um, they can always draft more you know, college seniors, signability guys tomorrow that uh, could project to go for significantly under slot, which is something that they have done in the past as well. Well, I think that was a good place to stop here with our draft coverage here. Uh, just since we have two minor league guys here, we just have one thing we want to talk about minor league-wise here. Uh, there hasn't been really much anything going on in the minors over the past month since we had our last minor league mm-hmm. podcast. Minus, I don't know about that. Minus one thing. <laughs> minus one thing. Spencer, you cut me off Start. right 
starts with a Y. I don't know if we're on the same page, so I'm going to let you go first, Spencer. Ends with Orden Alvarez. <laughs> you may go take the floor then, sir. Um, I mean, what 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 is there really to say about what he's done over the last few weeks? He's gone from being, you know, a upside lottery ticket type signing to being potentially a guy who you're going to be seeing on top 100 lists later this year. He's 19 years old, full season ball, 455 OBP, OPS over a thousand, five home runs in just over 100 plate appearances. He's six foot five, monster raw power. Strikeouts are a bit high right now, but not insane. And considering he's young for the level, the the hot hitting has just been a really impressive, and he's getting a lot of national uh, notoriety right now. And is probably rising as quickly as just about anybody um, in the minor leagues period right now, even though he's been a little bit cold over the last week. Do you mean anything to add on that? No, I mean he hit it. He hit it right. Uh, I mean Alvarez has been been pretty amazing. He came out and I think he he uh, maybe had a hit in like his first sixteen or seventeen games, something like that, to start the season. It was pretty incredible. But even when he's not getting hits, he's getting on base. I mean, sure you could cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, but like you said, he's got the he's six foot five, two hundred twenty five pounds is what they have him listed as, and he's hitting homers all over the field. It's not just pull power. He's hitting them to the opposite field too. So hopefully he won't be in Quad Cities much longer, and he'll we'll, we'll see him in Bowie's Creek. The guy I was trying to talk about because we hadn't even had it, we hadn't talked about it in that long was Kyle Tucker. Going up to double A, uh, either you gentlemen have anything about just that, him getting to that point here now and also any what, you, what you've seen so far from with the hooks? Yeah, I think it's what's interesting to see is how the Astros have changed their kind of their philosophy on uh, promotional players. You know, we saw Correa and McCullough spend a full season in low A. Uh, we, the next year, McCullough spent a full season in Lancaster Correa. Probably was going to go to double A, but, you know, ended up having the injury. But now we're seeing Kyle Tucker in double A already after just 48 games in high A this year, played some last year, just 20 years old. It just seems like they're being um, a little more aggressive right now than, than they were with Correa McCullers. And it's obvious with them being more successful right now in the at the MLB level too. Um, but Tucker is taking a double A pretty well. He's He's only hitting 255, but it's only in 12 games. But the the nice thing to see is he's only struck out once over the last four games, so he's making contact, and that's one thing you would worry about going to a higher level. So, um, I mean, he's he's been he's had, he's had a good season, and I'm sure he's gonna end up you know turning around a double A here soon and, and catch fire again. Yeah, I mean, I think he's on track to be a super two column next year. Top five prospect in all of baseball is the complete package on offense. I've praised him at length on other podcasts and in writing before, uh, and he's right on track for the kind of development path that I've seen for him since the beginning. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited about him. He's the best prospect the Astros have had in their minor league system since Carlos Correa. So it's Ted Williams 2.0 again still, right? Much better than Ted Williams. Okay. Good Good to know. I think that's a good stopping yeah. point. Uh, I do too, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we'll do I kinda, it. Go ahead, sponsor. I was just saying, I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to go ahead and sign off here. i got to get back to a couple other things before I hit the hay. But uh, it was fun as always, and I'll be uh, posting up write-ups on picks tomorrow as they come in as well. Thank you, uh, Spencer, for joining us and also the right episode. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely uh, appreciate it. uh, Of course. It's always a pleasure.
we don't know we don't know if we'll do a do a round a day two podcast i don't know if that necessarily warrants that because the prospects get a little i mean yes you still have a signing bonus maybe we'll do it but i think maybe maybe just a, a two and three round uh or two day day two and three would be maybe more better served uh just to to get off the sexy pit names here but thank you jimmy for joining us and i appreciate this we're recording this about eleven thirty now in houston uh Jimmy, you want to pimp anything out before we go? Um, well, I mean, just just the, the normal stuff that we got going on, the recaps, the uh, prospect reports, the stock reports, things like that. Um, hopefully we'll get some more information on the draftees. And even though you know we, we've got the, the high guys out of the way the first two rounds, we've still got 38 rounds to go, and the Astros have, have done well drafting you know, late, in the, uh, late in the draft recently. So – um, don't overlook any of these late round guys that'll be coming, you know, today or, or I'm mean, sorry, tomorrow or uh, Wednesday. And, and you are minor league editor, but I want to make sure here we pimp out your, your other, other, uh, other, the main reason why you're here is because of all the fine work <laughs> you do over at Astros future. Yeah. I appreciate that. Astrosfuture.com. It's kind of where, where I do some of the personal stuff over there, but, um, you know, we got kind of the same stuff going on. Uh, and we try to get, you know, content out, uh, at least, two or three things daily. So I uh, appreciate everyone checking that out and uh, make sure you check us out on our website at crawfishbox.com. Check us out on Twitter at crawfishbox. Check us out on Facebook at uh, just search the crawfish boxes. Thank you for listening and go Astros. Listen, uh, my daddy, baby, 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 baby.